As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey ladies, welcome and thanks again for meeting me in the middle. I am so glad that you chose to join me because I do know there could have been a thousand other places you could have spent your time with, but thanks for meeting me in the middle. And today I am so super excited to introduce to you um, a friend of mine and her name is Shaniqua Bailey Cager. And I am going to let her introduce herself to you. And before we tell you what she's talking about today, I just want her to tell you about her, her family, and if she likes French fries, a pizza, all that kind of stuff. So, (laughs) Hey, ladies, I am also so excited to be here. Thank you, Myra. And this Myra in the middle is just everything. What a great idea and a concept uh, for to connect all of the women, but especially those of us who have the privilege of being over 40. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes. (laughs) indeed. So, so I'm excited to not just connect today, but to stay connected with all of what you're going to be pushing out to. I certainly, I don't even know what the option was when I was like, yep, that's me. Um, And Whataburger specifically. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, but I am a wife of uh, almost 16 years. I met my husband at uh, in high school, and we just kind of been rocking and rolling ever since. And we have two daughters, um, 13 and 7 years old, Bailey and Brielle. And um, we just we just enjoy time together. And guess what? We have a whole lot of it now, don't we? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of it now, and uh, I'm grateful for that. But been in education for over 20 years. That certainly is one of my passions is working in the inner city and um in education and then I also serve in ministry with my family as well as um I'm a speaker and teacher and you can stay connected with us at that wife life on Facebook to all of my wives out there I look forward to staying connected with you guys yes ma'am Shaniqua has an amazing um community built on that wife life and I am amongst the tribe And she is faithful at pushing out just comical stuff that keeps us laughing and keeps us encouraged, but also just like practical information about marriage and not just marriage, but thriving in marriage. So thank you, girl, because, you know, we all need it. Right. (laughs) Okay, but today I'm going to bring you back to talk about marriage. We've already agreed to that, right? That's right. So you ask somebody like in public in front of people so they can't say no. (laughs) But today we are, I'm speaking specifically of daughters who have lost their dads. And I use the word lost, but um, specifically, I mean, um, through death or passing. And so, Shaniqua, if you could tell um, our audience a little bit about your dad and who he is and when and how you lost him. Yay. And I certainly appreciate the who he is. Uh, part because he's still very present in um, in me and in my family and so many people um, who 
he had the opportunity to just connect with and to touch. Um, my dad was a Baptist pastor and um, he pastored the Concord Church for over 30 years. Uh, he and my mom together were able to uh, just say yes to God and to start Concord Church. Uh, but in our home, he was so much more than a pastor. Um, of course, he was our spiritual leader in the home, but he was also the leader of all things fun, right? <laughs> so all things fun um, started and ended with my father. where He was very, very serious when it came to work and the work that he was called to. And he was very passionate that we would find that same calling and be passionate about it. So that part he took very seriously, but then most everything else in life uh, came with a very big laugh and good times uh, with it. I have one sister, an older sister and a younger brother, my mom, uh, who is 73, and I'm just still trying to catch up with her. <laughs> so, uh, but, but we have enjoyed uh, over the years, many, many family memories that I'm grateful that we still hold on to. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And just a little bit about um, the year in which your dad passed away yeah. and um, and how. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, in 2003, uh, October of 2003, my dad passed away after his third bout with cancer. Wow. Yeah. You know, I do remember um, definitely that, you know, he fought long and hard, but I do not, I mean, I don't know if I ever knew or just forgot that it was three times that he right. battled that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the first time I was in college and I never forget my mom called and my mom doesn't necessarily, uh, she's never really with a loss of words or hesitates about it. She's very clean and crisp in, um, in her articulation of all things, whether it's good or bad. And, and she kind of was beating around the bush about a lot of things. I knew that he had to go in for a biopsy. And then finally she said, um, well, they, there is a mass on his kidney. Hmm. And I said, okay. And she said, so we'll be praying and I'll let you know what the next steps are. I was like, okay, cool. So I went and I told my roommates, I was like, well, there's a mass and we're praying. You know, I just they really articulated what she said. And then they, right. and they would just kind of looked devastated. And they were like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, yes, I'm fine. Like it never clicked in my mind that the mass meant cancer because <laughs> in my mind surely the outcome was going to be that he didn't have cancer right and so it exactly. took a moment for it to, to settle in uh at that time yeah yeah thanks for sharing that um just a question that would help us as an audience just kind of for lack of a better term in a microcosm feel what you felt so the question would be losing my dad was like Mm. Um, now I'm able to articulate it uh, I think the first 10 years I would not have been able to answer that question but now I liken it to the closest that I can feel of drowning Wow! of knowing how to swim but drowning because there are these deep massive waves that come over so that came over me uh so losing my dad felt like drowning in an ocean hmm. at that time I just literally got chills um mm -hmm. I like I think the way that you expressed that was very effective because I literally felt that um mm -hmm. so just oftentimes people place a huge weight on 
the value of mothers yeah. in in their children's lives. And oftentimes in our society, I believe, maybe more so than others, um, we have minimized the role of the dad. Yeah. So when a father passes, it isn't seen as as significant yeah. as when someone's mom passed. Mm-hmm. Did you experience that from anyone? And, you know, just speak to that on how you process that. Yeah, I uh, I, I can agree with that looking uh, just from a cultural standpoint. Um, and the part that I get is that if you never had an active, present father in the home, then I see how people just immediately dismiss it. Mm-hmm. But when you had a father that stood shoulder to shoulder and equal with a mother in the home that was present in your life, that was present in activities, that was present to your hurts and to your joys. Um, Jesus and are connected to eternal life is because of him then I think I in my in the last 16 years has become more sensitive to people losing fathers because I do think sometimes there is this cultural piece that's there that's just kind of like you know some dads are just matter of fact because unfortunately so many people have the story of not being connected with their fathers and I get that uh, but for me gratefully I, I don't have that I didn't have that experience uh, and probably because many people knew of my relationship with my dad and or just knew my dad. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful that um, that was not my experience. Exactly. Yeah. And so just going back to your dad and maybe just in general, a present dad in the home, what it, what would you say is the experience and the value of having that father figure there? Um I think now more than ever, I get it because I have the opportunity to watch my girls with their dad, my husband, right? So, you know, when when you have something, you grow up with it, sometimes you can't really see it and or appreciate it. But when I watch them, what I saw that my dad did for me and, and my sister, specifically speaking about girls, the affirmation that came from him of who we are or who we were becoming was second to none in us finding our way as young women right because of course your mother is going to share those thoughts with you she she's been your age before so she's going to share those things but to hear it from a man's perspective to say you know and then my dad was very intentional about when we started dating like um he would always say men have to process and sometimes you know, men can't take all those words. Y'all use a lot of words <laughs> to say one sentence. And, and, and you know, he would just kind of watch us interact with guys and he would just come and give those kind of tips because at the end of the day, for mothers who, who don't have fathers in the household, at the end of the day, they can't speak from the male perspective, right? So having that active father in the home allows children, boys or girls, but specifically girls, to actually get a peekaboo into the male mind and to hear positive positive words and affirmations come from the father first. Hmm. That's amazing that those words are, um, I don't want to say more impactful, but have a heightened impact yeah. when they come from the father first. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So for women that don't have, um, an active father figure in the household for their children. Sure. 
Um, what are some of the suggestions that come to mind that you would give them? Here's what I know. My dad served that purpose for some of our friends, some of our family members, uh, many of our church members, um, that I would simply say, one, with the leading and guiding um, of God, praying for wisdom, praying for knowledge and understanding that wherever and however you can connect children with men and women. I, I know some men who are single parents who are raising their their daughters, you know, in the absence of a mom. And I would give the same advice whenever, however, with the leading and guiding of wisdom from God, get them connected to both uh, of, of the genders so that when we interact as humans, we have proper perspective and respect of the male and the female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so whether that be seeking out seeking it out through church groups or um, family members or friends just being intentional about that that's the word being intentional Mm -hmm. that's great so you mentioned 10 years Mm -hmm. that it took you 10 years to feel as if you caught a breath Mm -hmm. from that drowning yeah what was your process that got you to the point where you could actually take that breath of like I feel that I've gotten my footing now yeah Um, I would honestly say uh, release and acceptance. And and I put a 10 year on on it because I think the first five years um, I was stuck in the, not the denial that he was dead, but the the denial that I was drowning. Right. Mm. So the first five years was almost like, um, just fake it till you make it. Just, just make it happen. Just say the right things. Just, you know, Lord, if you just let me wake up tomorrow, catch a breath, and we just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, right? But then the next five years was an intentional dive into, I am not okay, and that, and I'm not okay with continuing like this. Hmm. Because what happens with grief that I've learned and continue to learn is that you love very deeply. Therefore, the grief comes in waves that are very deep, right? It, it, it reflects the love that you had for the person. And um, I wholeheartedly believe in counseling and therapy. I believe that people have the expertise, the knowledge, and the gifts to come alongside and support to get people through. I say that, but then to be completely honest, uh, I, that wasn't one of the first steps that I went to. I didn't go to grief counseling. I didn't go to a, a therapist. Uh, for for many reasons, I held on to, um, you know, where we were a public family. I, I didn't just want to choose a random person. I didn't want to choose, you know, somebody in the church, you know, so it was just like many reasons. But at the same time, the drowning kept happening in my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so that's why I kind of give it a 10 year um, because somewhere after that 10th year, I was able to actually identify an emotion, you know, so it's like doing the work now to say, when this happens, then I feel this way. It's nothing right. I can do about it. It's just that now I can be, be very um, conscious of it and do the work to get through it so that I can become better on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said it was a two-step um, acceptance. Yeah. Number one, that you were indeed drowning. Yeah. And number two, saying... I'm not okay with continuing in this manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Because I think that oftentimes we can stop at that first step. Sometimes we can say, I know I'm not good, but it just is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> right. And and it and it shows out and it shows up in many areas of our lives. Like uh I know I need to lose weight, right? How many times have people said that? Starting with me. And and then you just go, it's like, you know, because it feels good to acknowledge, oh, Lord have mercy, if I could just get down these pounds, if I could get back into this size, blah, blah. But until we move to the next step, I'm saying it's not enough that I want to. The Bible says mm-hmm. the best faith without works is dead. We've got to move Come to on. the third part, right? Uh-oh, girl, we almost, we almost went. I was going to say, see, <laughs> a lot of these people are not familiar with your dad and who you are. So they don't know that in any moment <laughs> they might just get a full-fledged sermonette that'll shout them on this podcast by accident. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. But yes, thank you. Faith without works is dead. And, you know, just once you make the, um, I guess the just accept where you are. Then the next step is accepting that you have to do something to move from there. So, yeah, thank it. you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and just you know, going back specifically to um, your dad and the healing process, mm-hmm. and where we are as far as June and Father's Day. Um, what were some of your first Father's Day celebrations like? And then what have you done in recent years to celebrate that memory um, and the presence of your dad? That's a really good question, um, Myra. And to be completely honest, I don't know the first couple of years. Um, it was it would become a moment where I would hold my breath and mm-hmm. wait for Father's Day to pass, right? Right. And just come up out the water and be like, oh, Lord, I'm alive. Thank you, Lord. Um, because see because my dad was a pastor um then a lot of celebrations are connected to the church for me so you know to go to church on a Sunday for Father's Day is a celebratory time for most people but in the beginning it was deeply deeply um hurtful because that was his place right so to go there and him be absent would be such a struggle like Easter was always a struggle because Easter is the high point in the in the Christian life and for pastors you know it's just like Easter was a high time in our home so Mm. um then we then my husband and I had children right Mm -hmm. and in doing the work I had to become I had to intentionally focus on celebrating him and not nurturing my loss and my wound right right and so when that became clear in doing the work then we just began to lavish him with love attention whatever whatever it is that he he wanted for father's day um and even if he didn't want it right because he, he's kind of low-key <laughs> but it's just like no we need to do more we need to do more because it was my it was a part of my healing as well Mm-hmm. And so, and you spoke to um, your children in celebrating. What do you do to keep your dad's memory alive for your girls? Yeah. Uh, one thing I've been intentional about, I didn't know my grandfather, my dad's dad. He passed away before I was born, just like my dad passed away before they were born. Um, I wanted, we put, so we gave him a name. Like I never had a name for my granddaddy, right? We would just say daddy's dad. So mm-hmm since their birth we've always called my dad Paw, right to, mm-hmm. because i felt like one when you name 
something, it becomes a thing, right? When we have children, we right. give, give them a name because they are not just a baby. They are my baby. And not only are they my babies, they are now the names that we have chosen for them. So we put a name, you know, so they are very aware who my daddy is. Matter of fact, you talk to them on any given day, you would think that they knew him physically, right? <laughs> because it's important to me for legacy to live on because who he is in them, they need to know. And who he is in me, I want them to see those connections. Um, so like they've listened to sermons um, and they've watched videos. They probably would want to do it more, but of course in the beginning, it would it would be difficult for me to sit through a whole sermon without having to break down. And then I just right. have to be okay with the fact that sometimes they're going to listen to him and watch me cry and it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think that sometimes we try to shield our children from raw emotions, yeah. but if we do it in teaching moments, you know, I think that, you know, that helps them to deal with their own. Yeah, so, I, totally you know, I think that that's that. good mm-hmm, totally. for them to see and, you know, get walked through that process. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, your daddy definitely was um, a teaching man of God. So um, what, how has your spiritual belief and um, your theology, much of which was taught to you by him, helped you deal with his passing. Yeah, I would say if if nothing else, uh, my my dad was a man of gigantic faith, and throughout the course of the twenty eight years that I had with him, I saw biblical accounts of faith him actually living it out in his life um and so during the process of me doing the work to to continue to process the grief that's what always gave me joy encouraged me allowed me to persevere because the god that my dad believed in did not die when he died and Hmm. if i believe that then i also know that that same god lives in me and the same god that i watched him dedicate his whole life to the same God that I watched him provide for us as a family. Cause you know, in a pastor's house, you are provided for by the church. And so right. that, that in itself is a huge leap of faith. And so if this is the same God that we believed in, in his life, then it would not, my dad would be hugely disappointed to know that him dying would remove me or us from that same faith. So then it became my responsibility to really do the work, dig deeper and dig deeper in Christ so that the same stories my dad had won't just be my stories, but now it's mine to create the new stories. Mm, That is so good that it would not honor your dad's life or legacy for your faith to decrease because of his passing but it would need to be the opposite that your faith increase honey because your daddy could preach on some faith to this very day listen when when i'm having a faith issue i hear your daddy saying shallow water get out 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 launch out into the yes ma'am launch out into the deep yes ma'am and so speaking of words that I hear from your dad and that's just me not even being a member of your church but just a visiting parishioner just coming every now and then 
And I still have those, you know, just vivid voices of your dad telling me and encouraging me. What do you hear your dad saying to you from time to time? Oh, man. Launch out into the deep definitely is one. Um, That that would probably be my first five that I would write down. I feel like I hear that (laughs) echo uh, a lot. Um, Oftentimes I hear him say, um, you were created for this. He was very intentional Hmm. of, of, of rearing each of us according to our bent and our gift. And so when I feel insecurities and doubts set in about certain things, you know, I can just really see him sitting on the side of my bed and be like, but you know, you were created for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I can also hear him talk about how um, faith makes a difference. There was Mm -hmm. several years that we had a theme in the church about certain things making a difference. And so uh, faith would definitely be one that I would hear him say makes a difference. And then I certainly would hear him say about family, be connected to the family and do what you have to do for family to be together. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it just um, you being able to recall those things just says that death doesn't stop the deposits, but they actually like enhance them and just make them even more present and important Mm -hmm. and so just you know going back to the top of the conversation just encouraging women that um, allowing the father to be the father and then if there's not an active father figure then being intentional about seeking that out because these deposits made into daughters by um, male figures are very important totally agree I mean because you spoke specifically to, you know, hearing your dad's voice and how when you're feeling insecure, it's that voice that gives you that yep, security. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just more to the technical side, like what advice would you give um, families and maybe even specifically men and heads of household to make sure that if they pass or when they pass, that their family is set up and not thrown through a technical or financial. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, I I think the first thing would just be the open and honest conversations. Uh, My parents were very intentional about, especially throughout his um, sickness, to have the open and honest conversations. My mom, oh my goodness, that's a whole nother call. But when I tell you to this day, they really (laughs) should just give her an honorary not a doctorate degree, but an MD, because when she went to school on the topic of all things <laughs> cancer, right? Um, because she felt like, I need to know what y'all are talking about when I come into these offices. I, y'all use these terms? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so then, therefore, they could come home and clearly communicate it to us, because where we weren't children, but we were young adult children, right? Who had never mm-hmm. had to navigate through anybody having cancer before. So those open and honest conversations, because let me just say, you know, still in our culture, there are many things we just don't quote unquote talk about. Right. And so we've got to we've got to do our families and our legacy justice by having those conversations about our health, um, about past what has happened in our families, you know, whether it's medical, whether it's um, emotional health, mental health, we have to have those conversations. Uh, And then we've got to have our, the old old people used to say, we have to have our house in order, right? 
Y'all excuse mm-hmm. me or any banging. I'm trying to hide. I think the, the workers have started <laughs> in the house. But, you know, but we have to have our house in order. And that's only fair for our families to be able to live out our legacies um, by having w- whatever that looks like. If it's having make sure that we have insurance in the home, we make sure that we have uh, pre-needs, you know, whatever that looks like. We just have to do right by our families. That that would be our first, my first area. And then we have to check on each other because pe- we have people that die all the time and we never know how people are processing it. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I've known people, continue to know people who they just aren't good after somebody dies. It's like they can never find their way back to shore. And I get right. that, you know, and I've, I've been more intentional to when people die because you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Well, before my mm-hmm. dad died, you know, I, I probably could have done a better job when to reach out and to support others. But now I'm more intentional because I know what it feels like. Exactly. So what does an effective reach out look like? Um, that's a great question. And I think it's many ways. Uh, you know, if it's your family or friends, then then you know them. Sometimes it really is just a simple text. I have a friend. I'll just send her uh, the emoji with the eyeballs. And I'll say, I just need to put my eyes on you. <laughs> then sometimes it, it's the intentional spending time. And to ask the questions that that may make somebody cry. You know, I'm concerned about you. I saw what you, I saw your post on social media and I got worried. You know, sometimes it's jumping straight Mm -hmm. in, but other times it it really is just somebody to know that I'm here for you if you need me. Got it. So one last quick question. Um, What was the most effective reach out that you received? that you remember or, or was some words that someone shared with you or something that someone did for you that was very impactful during your the height of your grieving oh, process? Wow. To be very honest, I, I'm so grateful to have been able to be in the family that God placed me in. Um, our church is just second to none and has, has always been since the passing of my father, but even in his life, um, I, I wouldn't know where to begin to answer to answer that question because we we were really surrounded with so much support. Uh, the successors of our church, Pastor Brian Carter and Stephanie Carter, they've been very, very intentional throughout the years, especially those first 10 years to just reach out every now and again. It would just be a gift to show up at the house or, you know, they would ask certain questions before something, you know, rolled out at the church just to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, Pastor Bailey's mm-hmm. family would still be here and sitting in the congregation. Um, it comes to mind, my, my first school where I taught, my principal showed up at my house and I just was, I was so outdone, right? Uh, or I had a good relationship with her, but we didn't visit each other's home. And so, you know, there was a knock on the door one day, I opened the door and my principal was standing there and she's just like, I'm not rushing you back. I miss you and I wanted to see you, you know, so... Those that, that just jumps out in my mind um, right now. Some a, a couple of friends one time they came over and just didn't leave, and they were like, "Oh no, we're spending the night. We're we're good." <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. I mean, what I heard you say, number one, is just um, being sensitive to the That's spot it. that was That's left, it. and making sure that you know you're not too quick to feel that spot without acknowledging yeah. that with the person 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just being there without an agenda, just being yep. there without an agenda. So. That's it. Yeah. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing, Miss Bailey. Oh, Cajun. it's been my joy. Thank you. These questions have been so <laughs> intentional and have just uh, brought me joy to go back and think about those those moments. So if there's anybody that's listening and, and your father now lives in heaven uh, or you're, maybe you have a father who who's sick, maybe you aren't even connected that much with your dad and, and he may be struggling um, in his health. Um, I just hope that something that we've said today has encouraged you, but more importantly, um, if your father lives in heaven and you stand in the crew with me, just know that the best representation that we can give to live out their legacy is to be the best of who they were. Every day Mm. that's in my mind. My father had faults just like anybody else. But I focus on the best of who he was. And I ask God to allow that to shine in and through me. So when that's happening, hopefully my girls see the best that's in me. And then they duplicate the same thing. And we just keep doing it over and over again to the glory of God. Hmm. And on that note, folks, I just want to say um, I hope that this has been encouraging And we will pray for you as you pray for us. And we will see you again next time in the middle. Yay, Mara in the middle. Hey, sis, um, that was truly one of my favorite interviews thus far with one of my favorite people. Shaniqua is always so encouraging, um, so just clear, concise, and always practical. And I pray that you found that interview to be just that. Um, make sure to check her out on her Facebook community, which is That Wife Life. Um, check it out. It's amazing. I'm a part of that community and have been for years. And it is truly, truly a um, just... Um, just women just doing life together and being real, raw, and encouraging. So check it out. You will not be disappointed for those of you who are wives or soon-to-be wives. And speaking of Facebook, if you have not joined in the middle with Myra Facebook group, please do so. And also check out the website at MyraRobbins.com. Can't wait to um, get your email so that I can so that I can consistently send you encouraging and exclusive content. And until next time, y'all, I just want to remind you that getting older with style and grace, it ain't easy, but somebody has to do it. So why not us and why not you? And even more importantly, remember that it is your choice to make it a great day. See you next week.